0: So you got a Bible tonight? Luke 9. That's where we're at. Luke chapter 9. So uh, in our game, right, and would you rather, there's two options. And you have to pick. You don't get to be Denise Landers and stand in the middle. You have to pick, all right? There's a, there's a, there's a yes or a no, man. Either you want to pet a wild, whatever a wild snake is. I feel like all snakes are wild. And, uh, or a, Or a rhino. Or have a weird reverse mohawk, or whatever the other like ancient beard man thing was. There's there's a there's an option. You got to pick A or B. Like there's there's no middle ground, and we don't like that, do we? We don't we don't like having to pick sometimes. Sometimes it's just easier to, to like sit on the line between two options because then you can hold out as long as possible, and you know. You can choose at the very last second and you get more time or whatever. Or, or maybe if you think if you just kind of straddle the line long enough, you can maybe do both things. I'd rather pet a wild snake and a wild rhino. I don't know. But um, it reminds me of Facebook, right? We, uh, remember, remember when people used Facebook? Remember that? Uh, do you remember getting event invites on Facebook? People would make these little events. and be like, hey, do you want to come to my birthday party? And there was, uh, were there two options or three options? I always picked that third option, right? There's yes, no, there's maybe, right? Yeah, yes, yes, I'll be at your birthday party, tiny friend. And then there is no, no, I'll not be at your birthday because I do not like you. And no one wants to say that. So instead you say, maybe, right? It's a magical response. So, hey, hey, man, you look at my birthday. Yeah, maybe, dude. Yeah, I, I totally might be there. Or I totally might have something better to do. Like, Watch Netflix instead of going to your birthday party. So you got the, you got the maybe button. I remember Facebook before there was a maybe button, and I just there was, was just yes and no. So we, uh, you know, event invitations when it first came out is is event thing and yes and no, and I just didn't reply. Just, I'm not going to reply to you because that freaks me out. I don't want to tell you six months in advance I'm coming to your birthday party. And then there's there's other times um, there's there's other stuff that like uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it when I when I when I ask you people about events like whatever trip we're doing or something. I'm like, hey man, you're going to go to Fall Retreat? And you're like, uh, I, yeah, dude, uh, maybe, Um, uh, who's, who's going? <laughs> that's not a maybe. That's, like, that's a no unless my friends are signed up, right? But you, we have this option that that kind of gets us in between two things. And we like that. We don't like to be nailed down. We don't like to have to, to really commit to one thing or another. We like to keep our options open. In Luke 9, 23 through 25, Jesus uh, presents two options. There's no, maybe there's no middle thing. It's just, it's this side or this side. There's no in between kind of option. And he lays it out very, very clearly that you and I have a clear choice in the kind of life that we're going to lead. The kind of, the kind of life that we're going to lead, whether that's going to be one that, that is self-directed or one that is Christ directed. And he calls us to make a choice between those two things, and what I think for a lot of us in the room is that we like to approach that, that dichotomy, that, that option with uh, like a Facebook kind of mentality where I'm going to click the maybe button and I'm going to stay right there in the middle as long as possible. That maybe I'm kind of living this self-directed life where I'm chasing what I want to chase and maybe I'm, I'm living one that's chasing after Christ sometimes. But I'm going to trying to stay in the middle so it doesn't get weird one way or the other. That's not an option. So as we look into the word this, morning, this, this evening or whatever time of day it is, we're, I, want you to, I want you to see that, that Christ never intended for there to be a middle ground, not we're either in or we're out. Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse 23. Luke chapter nine, beginning in verse 23. If you've got a Bible or a phone or something, if you can pick a version, I'm doing ESV tonight. So if that helps you at all. Luke chapter nine, 23 says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. There's a lot of, there's a lot of words, like phrases, that just, it, you think that stuff makes sense until you really start thinking about it. He begins, he says, if, if, if anyone wants to come after me, come after me. So he's talking to a big crowd of people, and, and there's, there's people that are they're following for a whole bunch of different reasons, right? There's people that are there because they want to they get more free food. You just did the feeding the 5,000 thing, and they're there because they want more food. There's people there that just, they, want, they want their friends to be healed. There's people there because they're bored, because there's no Netflix, and they just want to see something crazy happen. He says, if anybody wants to come after me, if anyone wants to get close to me, follow me, then you've got to, there's, there's some things we've got to talk about. It reminds me of being in middle school. Who in here loved middle school? No one. Middle school is terrible, right? And it's this, it's this odd time of life. Remember when we, some of you hung out with me in, in middle school, and you're always sad all the time because you're in middle school. I'm so glad you're out. Congratulations. Um, so you're in middle school, and there's this weird thing where at the, at the beginning of middle school, like early, like end of elementary school, the boys think that the girls are the most disgusting creatures ever known to man. Right, and you do everything you can to keep them out of your like club, and you know you go like play with rocks by yourself because girls can't play with rocks, stupid girls. Anyway, so you're doing your thing, and the girls over here doing their thing, and boys stink because they do, and they're disgusting because they are. Anyway, so you got the girls and you got the boys, and they're completely two different options, right? And there's there's no like in betweeny thingy, right? And then so then you get to seventh grade, and and then maybe a couple of people are kind of getting that figured out that maybe that's not so true. But by the time you get to eighth grade, you have completely figured out that that is no longer an option. Like, girls are weird. I don't want to hang out with them. That's not an option anymore. Now, there's this moment for all of, all of you guys in the room. There's this moment when one time you were sitting in social sciences or whatever fake thing they teach you in middle school. Is that a thing in middle school? I feel like it is. It is. It is, it is now in my world. Um, so in my fictitious world, there's social sciences. And you're sitting in social sciences class and you're sitting in your little tiny desk, right? because you have tiny desks still in middle school because you're tiny people until you grow and then like your knees are hitting the bottom of it. Middle school is terrible. It's like built to torture you. Anyway, So you're in there and you're sitting at your desk and somebody's teaching whatever social sciences is. I don't remember right now. Seems like a fake subject. Anyway, so they're teaching stuff, and you're sitting there, and you, and, you, and for like the entire year, you've been like looking around your room, and it's not really been a big deal. you got your buds over here. They play with rocks, and these guys play Xbox with you at home at night on, on live. And then, uh, but the girls just don't matter. And then one day you look up, and across the room, in the front left corner of the room, you're in the back right corner because you're one of the cool guys, right? Back corner cool guys. You're back corner cool guy. You look up to front left corner, and there is a blonde-headed being named like Christine. That's my second girlfriend's name from third grade. So, uh, her her name is Christine, and Christine is like this thing you've never noticed before, but all of a sudden, like lights up to you like she's the ever loving sun sitting in the top the front uh, left corner of the room. Christine has long blonde hair. She is wearing a pink dress, and you need to know her. I need to meet you, Christine. So you devise this plan, right? You go home and you tell mom, mom, I need to go to Bridge Street. Mom, I need to go to Bridge Street. And you go to Bridge Street and she takes you to Bridge Street and she gives you like 40 bucks. So you go to the two cheapest stores in Bridge Street and you go to whatever and you buy yourself some new, uh, some new uh, 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 cargo shorts, right, in middle school. You're rocking your cargo shorts. You got your shorts. They're, well, they're probably down to here because you're middle school still. You got your cargo shorts below your knees. because That's cool, Right. And you got, they're down here. You buy yourself a brand new crisp short sleeve button down. Short sleeve button down. You got your cargo shorts. Dude, it is on. Okay. You go, you go by the, you go by Walgreens on the way home and you buy yourself a canister of Axe, the bonus size canister of Axe, right? And you go home and you're like, all right, tomorrow's the day I'm going to meet Christine. What up, girl? so you 've devised this whole thing, right you don 't have a plan on how to talk to her, but the next morning you get up, you unfurl your, press, your your freshly ironed cargo shorts and your short sleeve button down, and you put them on, and then you stand in your bathroom and you basically bug bomb that axe, dude, like you open it, you push the, you push the thing, and dude, you just twirl <laughs> and you twirl, baby, and you just let it just breathe it in. cancer all over. Like bone, can- like weird cancers. They hadn't even invented this stuff yet. And you spend for like 45 seconds until you can no longer breathe. That's how that smells good. That smells good. You get on the bus, people die. <laughs> you finally arrive at school. You finally arrive at school and you, uh, you, you make it there early and, and you, you get in the, 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 the front left corner of the room, no longer, no longer cool back row guy, right? You get to the second desk right behind where Christine always sits and you sit down. All the plants around you will. And Christine comes in <laughs> and she sits down. You don't say anything because you're in eighth grade. So you're sitting there and Christine sits and she's, she's doing whatever teachers, social sciences, talking about whatever drones, I don't know what they do. And, uh, and they're talking about things and, and Christine's taking notes and, and she, she puts her pencil down, her yellow number five pencil on her desk. No, it's a five, it's the tiny lid. Christina's tiny handwriting, tiny lead pencil right there. It's on the table. It's on the table. And you're behind her, right? You're sitting in your tiny desk this low. And, the, and Christine's in front of you up there. And she puts her, her pencil on her desk. Christine's porcelain hand grazes a piece of paper. Which in turn grazes the yellow number five pencil. And it takes two rotations in slow mo <laughs> off the edge of the desk. You spring into ninja mode because it's eighth grade and you don't have any better plan. You come out of your desk like ninja style as the, as the pencil hits, erase her down. You scoop it back up, sit it on her desk. You're now next to her face and you whisper, hey, Christine. <laughs> At which point, Christine will never talk to you again until you're a senior in high school and you've ruined it. But, but you have this idea, you get like this, I've got to get near you. Like i have got to stand near you. This isn't weird, is it? We get that, man. We understand what it's like to be drawn towards something or someone. And, and Jesus says, man, if you want to come near to me, then there's some things we need to talk about. If you want to get right up against me and like be a part of my team and, man, and, and be like me, if you want to be with me, then there's some things that we need to talk about. First, he says, the first thing that you've got to know is you've got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. That's an interesting concept. That's not one we're used to. Because what our culture tells us is that denying yourself is stupid, man. If something sounds good, feels good, if, it's, if it sounds like a great thing for you to do, then do it. Why would you not do it? If, it's gonna, if it might make you happy, then give that a shot. Whatever just naturally comes up inside of you and you feel like you want to do, then do it. And Jesus starts off saying, man, if you want to <laughs> come after me, you've got to deny yourself. When you start dating somebody, when you finally get to high school, when you have a car and you can go somewhere, you actually start dating someone. You you start doing things that you don't always like to do, right? I started dating Jessica when we were uh, beginning of our junior year of high school. And one of the first things I found myself in was Ann Taylor Loft, whatever that is. It's a store where everything's the same color, and I'm confused and I'm colorblind and I don't like it there, but, um, but I went there all the time. I didn't understand. But anyway, so I'm going. I'm like, dude, I'm in, a, I'm, I'm in a relationship with a girl who likes Ann Taylor Loft, so I'm gonna go hang out in Ann Taylor Loft. The best thing about Ann Taylor Loft in Tuscaloosa, Alabama was that there were not one, but two, what I call board husband chairs. These are board husband chairs. These are leather chairs that they put inside of a store for people who want to die in there like so so you always go in there and i we jessica's shopping for cardigans or i don't know whatever and she's doing her thing and i go i go find the board husband chair and and hopefully they're open if they're not i just stand there and stare at somebody until they move (laughs) it's my chair (laughs) every week bro so i remember i remember one time one time i was getting so used to this i'm feeling confident about myself and my new like i'm I'm under a serious dating relationship skin right and so there's a, a 45 year old dude like I, like a grown man, and I'm 17. Grown man sitting in board husband chair number one. I go sit in board husband chair number two. I feel like I should say something, right? I'm feeling feeling outgoing this this, this afternoon or whatever. So I sit down in, in board husband chair number two. I look at him. I give him a nod. and I say, "Women." <laughs> <laughs> he just he, he just no. Just says no. Like does not acknowledge me. Man. There's time when you get into a relationship with somebody, there's times that you do things and, and that, that may not be exactly what you want to do, but because you're in that relationship, you're just gonna do them. That because you've entered into a relationship, me with Jessica, I've, I've entered into a relationship with Jessica, then, then some of her desires supersede my desires. Otherwise, you're a giant jerk, right? So when we enter into this relationship with the God of the universe, What he wants, what he thinks, what he desires supersedes what I want and I think and I desire because he knows me better than I know me. He loves me better than even I love me. He knows what's best for me in a way that I will never know what's best for me. So when he calls me to do something, I have to trust that that's what's best for me, even if it's not what I necessarily want to do. Because if I've placed my faith in Jesus and I've, I've claimed him as my Savior, but not only my Savior, but my Lord What that means is that he gets to direct my path. The Bible tells us that Jesus bought us with a price, right? Like like salvation wasn't free. It 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 just happened one day. Jesus paid my price with his life. He bought me bought me out of bondage to sin, bought me out of slavery so I could be free in a life and a relationship with him. And because he's bought me, he has a right to, to direct me. And I, and because I've placed my faith and my trust in him, I can trust him to be the one that directs my path. Decisions aren't just made anymore on what I want, but what brings him the most Glory. Jesus says, if you want to come near to me, if you want to come after me, first, you've got to deny yourself. And second, he says, take up your cross and follow. You see that? Take up your cross and follow. Answer this. Has Jesus died on the cross yet in that passage? No. So for you and me on this side of the cross, this side of history, the cross has become an instrument uh, that that has some, some terrible connotations to it, but, but we wear crosses as jewelry, right? And we like put them on walls in churches and like paint them in pretty paintings and stuff, right? It's, it's a, the cross has become a picture of grace. It's become a picture of redemption and a symbol of, of something very, very good on our behalf. But Jesus hasn't died on the cross. There's nothing redemptive or beautiful about the cross at this point. They don't know Jesus is going to die on a cross. All they know is that people die on crosses in a terrible, horrific, just mind-bogglingly bad way. And that instrument, not, not the one that, that you and I picture, not like the one you want to like make out of gold and put on your neck, like the worst torture instrument imaginable, he says, you got to deny yourself, and you got to take up your cross and follow me. Cool? Giant crowd of people. You want to come hang out with me? Uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then come on. Let's do this. What he's saying is that, that following him costs something. That, that following Jesus isn't something that we enter into lightly. That following this, this Christ is not something that is just uh, a thing that we can do on Wednesday nights. And the rest of the week, it just doesn't matter. What he's saying is that following after Christ is gonna cost us a lot, cost us everything, cost us our entire old way of life. And that until we're ready to deny ourselves, until we're ready to sacrifice for and, and pay, pay whatever cost it takes of us to follow after Jesus with everything we've got, then we're maybe not ready to follow him. To so the other people in the, in, the, in the crowd here where he's saying this, he's saying, man, some of you are ready to, to, to come near to me, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And the rest of you aren't. In that regard, it's a terrifying passage for me. Because in it, we see that, that salvation is not cheap. That following Jesus is not without cost. And in 24, he starts showing us what that cost is. 24, he goes on. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. All right. So in our game, right, we've got, uh, we had different options on different sides. So for the rest of our conversation in here, we're going to put things on different sides of the room. So over here is going to be your um, self-directed way of life. I'm going to point at you people a lot. I don't mean anything bad about you. You just have me sitting on that side of the room. Cool. So I'm going to point over here on this side of the line. This is going to be old way of life. This is going to be a new way of life that Christ is inviting us into. A way of life that's Christ-directed. This is, this is self-directed. This is Christ-directed. This is old way. This is the new way that Christ invites us to, okay? So I'm going to point this way, I'm going to point this way, and you're just going to know what's happening. Got it? Don't get confused or offended, you people. All right? Good. So Jesus puts our old way of life and his way of life on opposite sides of the line. So it's basically, if you want, let's read it again. Let's see. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So you and I have this way of life that that is self-directed before we come into contact with Jesus, right? This is the the life that you get to lead before you make Jesus the master of your life, before you have anybody in charge but you, you've got this this way of life. So this way of life, whatever seems best to you is what you're gonna do. So when you're you're approaching maybe... uh, Who you're going to date. When you're in this side of life, whoever you're going to date is whoever's cutest and will talk to you. That's the criteria. It does not matter after that. If you are cute enough and you will talk to me, I will date you because I'm in this side of the thing. Over here, if someone treats you badly, you get to treat them badly back because that feels good. That feels right. I'm going to crush you like an ant. Man, if, over here, if um, if you get really frustrated with your parents, you get to vent that like a fire hose. Not feel bad about that at all. Over here, when, when substances are introduced into your world that, that you've heard you shouldn't really engage in, but it sounds great, and the people that you want to hang out with are doing it, then whatever substances you encounter is on the table, and that's cool. Over here, the friends that you pursue and the people that you want to hang out with are the people that you can get the most out of which tend to be the most popular people you can find or that will talk to you right and you use people as a social status climbing thingy where you're trying to get whatever you can out of somebody else because that's really what popularity is about it's about lifting yourself up higher and higher on some rungs and over here man that makes perfect sense because it's about what's best for you and nothing else really matters so you're trying to climb a little social ladder as high as you can get those are the people you pursue, the people you can, that can lift you up a little bit higher. It's an old way of life. And then Christ says, um, if you want to save that way of life, then you're going to lose this way of life for eternity. Because Christ invites us into this life where we're going this direction. And he's inviting us to go this way with a whole different set of parameters and principles governing life going this direction. But if we're, if we're going to, what that 24 says, if we want to save your life, you'll lose it. You'll lose this. But whoever will lose his life for the sake of this will save it. I know that's a weird concept, but are you getting that? If you, want to, if you want to retain this way of life, you cannot have this one. You can't have a relationship with Christ and retain an old way of life. You can't live the way you want to live where you're the boss and sin doesn't matter. You get to indulge in whatever you want to indulge in and then still claim to have a relationship with Christ. Because a relationship with Christ, is, is, it looks completely different. So if you're, if you're going to retain this way of life where you're the boss and you're in control, you can't, you can't pursue a relationship with Jesus. But the second half of that verse is, if you give up this way of life in order to pursue a relationship with Jesus, you will gain everything that you ever truly needed. But you can't have both. He draws a line in the sand. He says, man, you can retain the old way of life or you can take hold of the new one. You can retain a self-directed life or you can chase after a Christ-directed way of life, but you can't do both at the same time. And this is where I see teenagers get mixed up all the time because you want to live one foot in, one foot out. You want to be self-directed when you want to be and you want to be able to indulge in the things that you want to indulge in that you for yourself have decided are okay, not consulting God's word whatsoever. I want to pursue the friendships I want to pursue. I want to pursue that guy because he's cute. I want to pursue that girl because she will actually talk to me. I want to treat my parents how I want to treat them. I want to be as popular as humanly possible. I don't really care who I step on because it's what's best for me. And then on Sundays and Wednesdays, I'm going to claim Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in either you pursuing me or not. You can't live one foot in, one foot out. You just can't. He wraps it up in 25 and really just drives it home for me. He says in Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 25, for what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world and loses or forfeits his very self? Other versions say, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? There's real danger of you doing this, students. Of you trying to gain the entire world, whatever it is that you you think is valuable on on this side of things. And you're, man, you're collecting up friendships, you're collecting experiences and you're collecting up whatever it is you want to do. You've gained control of your life in a lot of new ways and dude, you're loving it. Jesus says, man, you got to take a long-term perspective. The interesting thing about high school is that um, it matters so much to you because it's all you know. It's like life's in a magnifying glass. Like somebody, somebody, I don't remember who it was, somebody tweeted something about having uh, two tests that they were, or essays or something, you were, I think it was an AP English thing or something. You had two essays you were writing a day, and it was just like drowning you, like life was ending because you had two AP English essays. I don't know how many AP English essays I wrote because I don't care, Right? I wrote a bunch of AP English essays. I never died. I don't remember a single thing I ever wrote in an AP essay. I don't even know what I got on my AP English exam anymore, dude. Like, it doesn't matter. I remember being so obsessive about, about certain friendships and whether uh, I could get in with this crowd or that crowd. And then three months after high school, I, don't, I could barely remember those people's faces, Every graduating class that we graduate out of Mount Zion, man, the, the, the crazy intense like social drama thing that, that drives so much of what you do in high school, they come back a semester after they've been out of college and I say, hey, man, how many people from high school are you still hanging out with? Goose egg every time. The people that you chase after for four years end up not mattering at all. Unless you write a couple of true relationships and they, those hang on. You have this life perspective that's so short-sighted. I'm going to get everything I can get out of this time in my life, man. I'm going to collect all the right friends and all the right people. I'm going to hit this thing hard. And whatever somebody, if, if, if people suggest some things to me to participate in that I probably shouldn't participate in, I'm going to do it because I might lose those friendships. You're going to lose the friendships anyway, like two days after you graduate. If it's not going to matter two days after you graduate, why does it matter now? What's it profit a man if he gains the entire world and forfeits his soul in the process? It's so frustrating for the adults that are in your life that are here. It drives us absolutely nuts when we see you trying to gain the entire world as a high schooler. Man, I'm gonna work so hard in this sport or in this class or in this relationship with this dude who's an idiot. Like, I'm gonna pour everything I've got into this I'm going to completely forfeit my soul for it. And then three days after graduation, none of it existed. It's like it never happened. Are you trying to gain the whole world as a teenager, as a high school student? Are you working to gain the whole world and forfeiting your soul in the process? I think some of you are. I don't know your story, dude. I don't know where you're at. I get to high-five you on like Wednesdays and Sundays. I don't know what you're doing, but you do. Is there evidence of that happening in your world? Is there evidence of you trying to be one foot in, one foot out, hang on to that old way of life where you get to be in control and you get to choose what you want to do and saying still claim Jesus? If so, dude, you're, you're, you're probably doing some soul forfeiting. I think there's a lot of things in high school that matter. I don't want you to hear me say that, like, school's stupid or, like, sports don't matter. They do. I learned a lot in high school. I made a lot of great friendships in high school, too, really. Um, One's right there. Uh, A lot of stuff, I mean, some of that stuff matters, it does. I learned a lot of principles that still drive me forward just from the sports and stuff I was involved in. It matters to an extent. But living a life chasing after sin instead of chasing after Jesus is just... It's not an option. So tonight, man, I, I, just, I just wanted to challenge you to decide whether you're on this side or you're on that side. To pick one foot up out of, out of either you're gonna pick this foot up and you're gonna be all in, Are you going to just be honest with yourself enough to say that, dude, I've been in a place where I haven't cared at all about a relationship with Jesus. And maybe I've claimed it, or I've said I'm in, or maybe my parents have had me in church since before I was born. And so I've got to like be a Christian. But in reality, I don't care at all about following after him. I just want you to be honest with that and be, be real with the fact that maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't care at all about following him, if you don't care at all about coming near to him, the idea of denying yourself and taking up a cross and following after him is so ridiculous to you. Be honest with where you are in relation to Christ. If you're not a Christian, you're not a Christian. If you're not following after Christ, if there's ever been a moment when you've trusted him enough to make him, not just the one who wipes away your sins, but the Lord and master of your life, if you've never trusted him like that, then maybe we need to have a conversation. Maybe that's why your life's so jacked up. What does it profit a man? What does it profit a teenager? What does it profit a ninth grader, or a tenth grader, or a senior girl? What does it profit you to gain the entire world and forfeit your soul? I'm gonna pray for you. Our band's gonna come up, they're gonna lead us one more song. There's a lot of adults that have some perspective. That they would love to share with you. Myself being one of them. We're going to hang around. We go to Chapel Commons and drink coffee and junk. Um, If you want to come hang out, come hang out. Maybe tonight you need to walk up to me and be like, dude, I don't think I'm a Christian. I'm tired of faking it. It's going to be honest. I haven't given a rip about following Jesus. My life's not doing real well because of it. Can we talk? You had to phrase it that well. You can phrase it however you phrase it. We'll talk. This is the same. It's cool. If you need to have a conversation with somebody, not do it. Are you in or are you out? Pick. Jesus, um, the reality of the gospel is that you have not given us options. You have not given us a maybe. You've not given us a part time commitment. Father, you've, you've given us a faith that we're either all in or we're not, that we're going to pursue you or we're not. When Jesus looked out at those crowds of people, hundreds, thousands of people, and he turned around and said, listen, if you're not willing to deny yourself, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow after me daily, then dude, I don't, I don't have time for you. I'm not interested in a, in a weak, passive, partial commitment. I either want all of you or I want you to sit on the sidelines until you're ready. And students, Father, I know that for students in the room, God, there's, there's some that are ready. But they've got to get bold enough and honest enough to say that they've never really entered into a relationship with you. They've just kind of played a game so that maybe their parents, or their friends, or whoever just would feel good enough about it not to bother them about it. I pray that tonight will be the night that they'd walk up to an adult or a friend or they've been in church half their life or their entire life. They can go out in the parking lot and have a conversation with you and, and make you Lord of their life right now. God, I don't need me to do that. I pray that they would be bold enough to take steps of action rather than just languish in the middle. God, help us decide if we're in or we're out.